Heritage Foundation. I'm Michelle Cordero, and this is Heritage Explains. Every day, it seems we're seeing a new poll that indicates millennials would rather live under socialism than capitalism, which they equate with greed. Canadian psychologist Jordan Peterson recently spoke at a Heritage Foundation event and said that he believes this is because they aren't aware of the miraculous advances the world has made under free enterprise. The knowledge of how rapidly we're making economic improvements around the world, in the developing world, for example, how fast that's happening, that is not well-distributed knowledge You know, that between the year 2000 and the year 2012, the rate of absolute poverty in the world fell by 50%. Now, it's a UN figure, $1.90 a day, that was their cutoff for absolute poverty. And so the cynics have said, well, you know, that's a pretty low barrier. It's not such an achievement to have attained that. But I can tell you it's an achievement to have attained that if you were living on less than $1.90 a day to begin with. But if you look at... If you double the amount to 380 or you double it again to 760, you find the same pattern. I mean, the poor in the world are getting rich at a rate that is absolutely unparalleled in all of human history. Peterson is right. And Heritage's 2019 Index of Economic Freedom reported that the greatest advances came from African and Asian countries that limited rather than expanded the role of government. More than 100 countries, many of them less developed or emerging economies, showed advances in economic growth and individual prosperity. But it's unlikely we'll hear this kind of news in the mainstream media. Peterson says that's because of the technological revolution. And in order to attract attention and make money, the media is turning to the old journalism adage, if it bleeds, it leads. The mainstream media, so to speak, is increasingly desperate for attention, right? They exist in a shrinking market with shrinking margins. All of the leading newspapers and magazines are feeling the pinch. Television is dead because YouTube has everything that television has and then an incredible array of additional features. And radio is being replaced by podcasts. And so it's a very unstable time for the mainstream media. And what would you expect? them to do except to do whatever they can to attract attention in whatever manner they can manage. One example of this, one very good example of this is you you may or may not know that the rates of violent crime in the United States and and actually in most places have have plummeted in the last 50 years. It's it's really quite remarkable. The United States is now safer in, in terms of violent crime than it has been since the early 60s and that was probably the safest time there ever was. Um, But the degree to which violent crime has been reported has increased. Um, It's funny, the curves are almost completely opposite to one another. This is the decline in violent crime. This is the increase in the reporting of violent crime. And the reason for that is, well, people read stories about violent crime. And then, of course, they're much more likely to believe that it's on the increase. And so this brings us back to the urgent need to expose the trending delusion that socialism is the answer. 
This week, we break down some of the fundamental principles of socialism that are carefully omitted by the mainstream media and the left. Our expert today, Lee Edwards, is a leading conservative historian and Heritage's Distinguished Fellow in Conservative Thought in the B. Kenneth Simon Center for Principles in Politics. And his writings inspired today's episode. Lee, in a recent op-ed on foxnews.com, you mentioned that Senator Bernie Sanders and Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and their fellow socialists like to pretend that socialism is just another political system leaving out some of the keystone principles that came from Karl Marx, who, of course, is the founding father of socialism. I thought we could talk about some of these things that we never hear about when it comes to socialism. So let's just jump right in. This is a big one. Private property. What does this mean exactly? For example, could I not own my own home? Yes. Well, it would mean, for example, that uh, every millennial would have to turn in his iPhone. It means that every member of the NRA would have to turn in his gun. And it means that every owner of a Honda or a Civic would have to turn in his car. So, yes, there would be no private property because, Karl Marx said, this is why we're always getting into trouble. And as we do away with private property, if everybody owns everything uh, in common, then we won't have any conflicts between people. But, of course, people would then say, well, I want to drive today. Can I drive today? I want to go shooting today. Can I shoot today? Can I have my phone so that I can contact my mother or my girlfriend or my boyfriend? It's absolutely insane that Karl Marx thought that doing away with private property would somehow bring about a utopia. So... The government, do they own a deed and they hold on to the deed? Or do they literally say, you'll live here and you'll live here and you'll live here? You would have a giant group of of bureaucrats who would determine that. They would make the decisions for you as to where you would live, what job you would have, what papers you could read, what phones you could uh, make use of. So the idea is that somehow... Karl Marx and all of the socialists, whether it's Bernie Sanders or Miss Alexandria, believe that they and the bureaucrats can make better decisions for our lives than we can ourselves. Okay, next is the control over the production of goods and services. Can you give me some examples of what this means? What does that mean? Well, for example, it would mean that the government would own all the airlines, would own all of the trains. Uh, would own all of the factories, uh, would own all of the nuclear facilities, would would learn all of would would own all of the various means that we have of producing energy in this country, whether it's digging for coal or whether it's panels above our our homes. Again, this idea keeps coming back again and again to their in, really insane idea that somehow they, the bureaucrats, the government can make decisions for 330 million Americans. It's a fatal conceit of the socialists, and they just do not seem to realize just how fatal it is. Everyone always goes back to the DMV as an example of how something that's run by the government would operate. I'm trying to think of that in perspective of like a government-run airlines that ran like the DMV. We don't hear lots of examples of, think about what it would be like if the government ran 
the grocery store or there's just all these examples we never hear about. Well, of course, that was a wonderful example because talking about the grocery store, if you look at where socialism has been tried, and by the way, it has been tried in some 40 nations over one century and has failed every single time. And you look at what happened to the poor Russian people, they wound up standing in lines to get bread, uh, to get meat if there was any, to get any butter if there was any. But of course, there was always not such a long line for vodka because they drank themselves senseless because of the unhappy, sad, tragic lives that they lived under socialism until it finally collapsed of its own weight. Religion. Historically, how did socialism affect religion? Well, Karl Marx said that religion is the opiate of the people. Uh, Again, he felt this was a means by which there would be conflict, that if people believed different ways of God and a transcendent being, that this would produce more conflict between people. So therefore, get rid of it. Just do away with it. But as we know in this country and in many other countries around the world, those people who believe and do have faith lead rich, satisfying lives in large measure because they're always helping the other fellow. It might be a relative. It might be a friend. It might be somebody that you don't even know. But we know that under faith, under religion, under churches and so forth, that charity really is the first virtue and is practiced by billions and billions of people. Speaking of a lot of people, uh, I actually want to use this opportunity to tell everyone listening about one of my favorite podcasts. Every Thursday morning on Problematic Women, co-host Kelsey Bolar and Lauren Evans sort through the news to bring stories and interviews that are of particular interest to conservative-leaning or problematic women— That is, women whose views and opinions are often excluded or mocked by the so-called feminist left. Hmm, I wonder why I like this podcast. I also love that it's not just politics, but they talk about everything from pop culture to policy. You can find Problematic Women wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Look for it. It's a great show. Okay, now back to my chat with Lee Edwards. So this basis of a classless system, which seems to be the keystone of Karl Marx's system, you mentioned a couple places, but has this ever worked? Well, it's been tried, and of course the socialists are happy to say, well, uh, socialism has, has never failed because it's never been tried. But in point of fact, if we look at the record and at history over the last century, we can see that socialism has been tried everywhere, Uh, in all of these various countries, from the Soviet Union, where it began back in 1917, to the present poor Venezuela, where what is not available, nothing really is available from toilet paper to bread to um, an ability to begin to make decisions for yourselves, not allowed in country after country after country. And you know... One of my favorite examples is to talk about three nations which have tried socialism. Israel, Great Britain, and India. All three of them tried socialism from the very beginning of their founding. Not with Great Britain, but with India and Israel for 30 years in each case. At the end of 30 years, they were so unhappy, there was so much unemployment, 
growth had slowed down so much they said, basta, you know, enough of this. We're not going to do any more socialism. We're going to go the capitalist road. They did. As a result of that, India today has the largest middle class in the world. Israel, thank you, is uh, one of the most prosperous countries uh, in the world. And Great Britain, which was called the sick man of Europe before Margaret Thatcher came into office, is now one of the most prosperous countries in the developed world. Lee, in conclusion, what are some of the ways we're seeing policies that mirror these extreme initiatives that came about from Karl Marx? Well, if we look, for example, at something so fundamental as medical care and this idea that Medicare for everyone, um, so divorced from reason, so divorced from practice, so divorced from history, is the idea that in America, which has had private health insurance for so many years, where it's worked, where our medical system is the envy of the world, where people come here to get their medical care, the idea that we would take this and put it in the hands of bureaucrats, take a look at the Veterans Administration and what happened to it. People literally died waiting for treatment. People were unable to be getting, uh, have an operation, to have a procedure in the protected time that was needed to save that individual. The VA hospital system was a disaster. And it seems to me that that is the warning sign for Americans when we say, do we really want to turn that over? That is a great example. <laughs> yeah. Do we really want to turn over yeah. our medical care to the people who gave you the Veterans That was a huge story that, that liberals covered as well. So what worries you the most? Mm. Well, what worries me the most is that millennials are so reluctant to study history and to understand that socialism has been tried it's never worked. It never can work because on the one hand, it is so conceited and thinking it can do everything and because it just works against human nature. Human nature is built in such a way that there are certain things that work with us, reason, faith, and you have to have both, it seems to me. And that's what we do have in America. We don't want to turn that over to a bunch of people who are so full of themselves, they think they can make decisions better for us than we can ourselves. Thank you so much. And that's it for this episode of Heritage Explains. I'll put the link to the Jordan Peterson event and some of Lee's recent op-eds on socialism in the show notes. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast and have a request on a topic you'd like to hear more about, please shoot us an email at managingeditor at heritage.org. We love hearing from you and we really do actually take your suggestions. We'll see you next week with another explainer. Heritage Explains is produced by Michelle Cordero and Tim Desher with editing by Thalia Rampersad.